Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Francesca Vavala. She is president at the Sales Joint. We're going to talk to her about sales in cannabis. Uh, I think this is one of the more interesting aspects of the industry, particularly as we get bigger, more evolved. We get more kind of complicated distribution models, complicated retail models, trying to figure out how to get all these new and exciting products into the right dispensaries, into the hands of patients and consumers, and really just what goes into it and why it's a challenge, where are we as the market's evolved, and what does it take? So with all that, Francesca, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Bruce. Really, really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So before we kind of dive in what you're doing with the sales joint and helping with the whole kind of distribution and sales process, getting things into the actual dispensaries. Give us a little background. How did you get into sales? How do you get into cannabis? What's the backstory? It's quite a winding road I took to (laughs) cannabis. (laughs) I started out not wanting to be in cannabis or in sales at all, actually. I wanted to be a high school English teacher like my dad. And Mm -hmm. so that's where I started. I was a high school English teacher at a private school in Delaware where I live for about six, seven years. And it was 
it was not living up to the Dead Poets Society image that I had <laughs> expected and imagined. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's that's a problem with dreams is that they they tend to shatter, <laughs> and, and the illusion is never exactly the reality. But um, yes. there was there was just more entrepreneurial spirit in me than I than I realized when I went into a career, and so I knew that I wanted to do more. I knew I knew I wanted to be somewhere where I could grow and and really change and evolve with whatever I was doing. But I, I also knew that I had to figure out what that was going to be long-term. And so I decided to very quickly leave teaching and go into real estate. And my uncle owned a brokerage with his partner. And so I was like, real estate doesn't take six years of schooling and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that mm-hmm. sounds good. Uh, so I ended up being a realtor for about six years. And that taught me a lot about sales, about relationships, about how to test a market, understand a market, work with buyers and sellers in markets, and really flex those kind of muscles that I I never knew I wanted to flex. So it was great. I loved my career. I loved everything about it, really. The independence that it, that it offered, the fact that I could use what I learned as a teacher. I, I was still teaching people. I was just teaching them how to buy or sell. I wasn't teaching them grammar and literature. So I didn't foresee making a change. I thought I had found it. But unfortunately, in 2013, my twin sister, Emily, who we were conjoined twins at birth. And yeah, yeah, it's sort of a (laughs) miracle. Um, And when we, we were separated at four days old, she was born due to complications at birth with a severe form of cerebral palsy. And so she lived in a wheelchair. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing in our lives because it was just how she always was. And that's how our family was. And so, but at 31, she developed basically a really bad pneumonia and a resistance to antibiotics. And so Mm. she passed away and it, and it kind of threw my, my world out of off kilter. Um, Yeah, yeah, so it was suddenly being this self-motivated person and self-starter in a business. I didn't care about inspection reports anymore or down payments or security deposit. I didn't care about much. And so I found myself really struggling to, to motivate myself. And I knew I needed something else to do that for me. And so I ended up working with um, a client that I had and mentioned that her partner or her boss was looking for some additional content writing help in, in his marketing department. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a nice little part-time thing I could do. I get to still write and I get somebody to tell me where to be and when, but not all the time. And so I was like, okay. And I met Mike, who is my now business partner. He was in a traditional business doing a sales and marketing company and he was he's great at it. And Working with him, we clicked right away. I learned a lot. And after a few years of working together, he reached out to me and said, you know, it looks like this cannabis thing is really taking off. And it reminds me so much of what we're doing now, because at the time we were working with manufacturers or engineers that were really, really good at making something, not so great at selling something. And so we were the sales agency and the marketing agency for these industrial engineer coders, industrial world people. And so he said, I think he's like, I think cannabis is going to be the same way. You have a lot of people growing that are really interested in growing and farming. He was like, I don't know if they have the business acumen or the interest even in sales and marketing and building brands and all of the things needed to make the business out of a cannabis business. He said, let's check it out. And so 
We went to a couple shows. We studied the market for about a year or so, asked a lot of questions of a lot of people and thought at the end, it was, I really had a choice where a coworker of mine in the real estate agency said, I'm leaving and I'm starting my own brokerage and I'd like you to be my partner in it. And Mm -hmm. Mike said, I'm starting a cannabis business and I'd like you to be my partner in it. (laughs) Oh no, tyranny of choice. (laughs) I know. Harvard and Yale were calling. So So I, I really looked at what I wanted and what I wanted was much more in cannabis because it was very much revealing the truth about the the plant and all the benefits that it held. And the fact that I think what really pushed me over the edge was thinking about my sister, Emily, and realizing if we had known then what cannabis could provide, the antispasmodic properties of it, mm-hmm. the help with anxiety, all of the things, the pain relief, everything – she may have had a different life, maybe a longer life. And I thought, what do I want more to help people build new houses or to help people have access to a plant and end the stigma so that they can have a better quality of life? And it was, there was no question. So in a lot of ways, what happened with Emily led me to cannabis and is very much why I feel very passionate about the plant. So Mike and I launched our business and that's how we arrived on the cannabis stage. It was- About five or six years ago now. So it was it was a little while ago now. Yeah. Well, and tell me, how did you, like, what were you first doing or how did you first engage in the industry and then how did things evolve? So we first started off because we were thinking we would do sales for anybody. I mean, sales was sales. We could sell anything and, yeah. you know, as long as we could learn it, we could sell it and we understood markets and all of that thing, all of that stuff. And so... We started off saying, hey, we can be your sales reps, kind of white labeling the services. And we ended up partnering with a couple of people in different areas of the industry. We worked with a modular grow unit company and tried to help them with their marketing and their sales. We worked with an LED light company to help them with their marketing and sales. We worked with, there was a woman who wanted us to help with a subscription box. There were people, it was everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. And through that process, we ended up learning more and more about what we were really good at, where our services were actually valued, what we liked to do, what the restrictions mm-hmm. were within the different markets, and obviously with all the fragmentation and regulations, it was it was different. So we ended up saying, okay, we narrowed it down and we found we really loved working with growers. We loved working with growers and dispensaries, basically license holders, helping them move their product to the retail side of the business. So that's what we narrowed it down as. And we decided to do private sales for farms. So we basically partnered with a farm, learned everything about their farm, their brand, their product, everything. If they didn't have stuff that they needed, like menus or a CRM or any kind of sales collateral, we would create that for them or manage it for them. And when we started with a farm, it was very easy to say, okay, well, we will get this territory and your other, your existing sales reps can get this other territory, whatever, whatever that division was, was fine with us. Cause we were all about collaboration, I'm not trying to replace salespeople. We're trying to yeah. amplify sales. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. but it was very clear that even from Delaware calling into stores and selling these products, we were really good at it. And we sold farms out. We helped people grow their sales so that they could open a new farm. And it was great. The problem came when people were 
hesitant to work with us on a retainer basis and a commission basis didn't work for us because of all the things that could go wrong from the time that we closed the sale on the phone to the time they deliver the product. There was a lot of places where those gaps created basically a different ending that (laughs) that wasn't going to be good. So we realized without transparency on what was being sold, you know, people were selling on the black market and the legal market. They were sending a sample and then delivering a different product. And they Mm -hmm. were not delivering on time, not following through with whatever they had to do. It made our job a lot harder. And so we ended up working harder and harder and then seeing less money on the commission model. We said, okay, it has to be retainer. And there were so few farms that really could trust somebody on that level at the gate that we decided to productize what we had. And so our original company, Alias Can, we kind of, that was doing the private sales with farms, we shelved that and launched the sales joint. So same team of people doing the same exact work, but we made it a product with the hot sheet. And we developed, basically, we call the dispensaries and find out from the purchasing managers what they're looking to buy, how they want to be sold to, what kind of appointments are required, what testing, what samples, what menus, what Whatever their process is, we get all of those details, all of those needs, all of that contact information in one place. And then growers can, or processors or brokers or anybody that's selling weed to retail stores can subscribe to that hot sheet for $2.99 a month. And I think right now we just launched a $5.97 for three months. So it comes out to $200 a month. So if you make one sale out of the 20 to 25 hot and warm leads that we have a week, you're you're in business. I mean, you're really making your money back very quickly. So it ended up being a really nice way to give what we had to more people and help more people understand the importance of having a professional sales process. Yeah. And where did you, I guess, where did you originally find traction for this? How did it expand? Give us a sense of the growth process. Sure. We really launched, the sales joint launched the hot sheet in Oklahoma because the Oklahoma market was sort of in a lot of ways for the hot sheet. We had a lot of dispensaries and a lot of growers and a lot of people that were new to the business. So there wasn't any possible way that everybody could talk to each other. In a vertical state, the hot sheet doesn't really work because, you know, everybody's feeding each other pretty easily. Yeah. But in a market with Oklahoma, like Oklahoma, where there's a, there's frankly more chaos, more volatility, more competition. And that's where we really launched it. And so it's doing really well in Oklahoma. It's getting the results that we thought we would see. And so we were ready to launch in Washington state, which is where we used to work with some private farms. And we learned that in the year or two that we had not, I think it was COVID really changed kind of the Washington state sales process a little bit so that getting purchasing managers on the phone has been more of a challenge than it was when we were working for private sales with a farm. So now we're looking at it and saying, okay, let's look at Washington. Let's look at Oregon. Let's look at Colorado. And are these markets that can you know use the hot sheet or is there almost another tweak that we have to do? Is there another way that we can help these farms in these states if more people are moving to a please don't call me, just fill out this form and I'll call you if I like you yeah. uh, model. So yeah, yeah, it's it's cannabis. So everything changes all the time. And we're just really proud of our ability to be able to adapt and change with that to make sure that we're not bringing a Model T forward to a place that is buying, you know, Teslas. That's, that's not what yeah. we're trying to do. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. Well, and give us a sense of the market. Like as you worked in some of these areas, I mean, you mentioned, you know, what was unique about Oklahoma and some of these other vertically intricate states, like where, 
Like what, what's, what other states or what other markets do you feel fit, fit this kind of model or have these kind of dynamics? I really think it's about having volume of dispensaries and grows so that they, they can't possibly all get to each other easily because that's when you need somebody to be running point. Um, so, so the states I mentioned like Washington, Oregon, Oregon, especially I think would benefit from something from the hot sheet and what we offer Colorado, although their maturity is, is different. It makes them different. Um, California would be excellent if it wasn't so such a mess with taxes and, and the distribution. So everybody's state model and even along the East coast, which seems to be going all corporate weed is very different. And so we're looking for our play there because really our whole, the sales joint was built on and even alias can. And before that was built on helping craft cultivators, helping these independent farms. And that doesn't mean, you know, little guys that could still be multi-state operators, but they're independently owned. They're not corporate conglomerates. It's not, it's not necessarily the green thumb industries. It's not the med men's. It's not any of those huge multi hundred million dollar businesses because they've got their systems. They've got their stuff already dialed in. We need people that that need that help. So it's like, you know, you grow really great product. You thought it was going to sell itself, but everybody (laughs) did. And that never happens. So instead of driving around and yeah, yeah, very much. It's like my, my teacher dream. So, um, Yeah. So it's, it's really about finding the right amount of chaos with the right amount of growth potential. And then the people in those states and in those markets that are serious about making their cannabis business an an actual business and not a side hustle, not a passion project, not a hobbyist, not because those are all great. They have their places, but those are not the cannabis businesses that we can help. Um, We are looking for people that are growth minded and oriented. And so that's really what we're going after is can you deliver if we give you 20 to 25 leads? Can you, can you actually fulfill if people want to order again and again and again and make you a regular provider in their store? Are you professional enough with your packaging to be sitting on the shelves of the dispensaries that you want to be in? Things like that are all market aspects that we have to look at when when we do state attractiveness studies, which we do every few months to make sure that we are keeping our eye on the right places. We would love to be in Jersey and New York once mm-hmm. once they really get off the ground because those... <laughs> yeah. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I've been around long enough to know better. I'm curious what what makes a really good client for you. Like if if you look at kind of the qualities, characteristics, habits of you know a company that hires you that does really really well. What, what do you notice, and and what's different than the companies that don't do so well? It's a great question. I think it's it's been a lot of learning to find the answer to that. The best clients for us are the ones that really share the mindset that we do, which is that no one grows alone. The The people that are going to be the, the most successful with what we offer are the ones that understand they can't do it all, nor should they do it all. They shouldn't be hoarding these tasks because they're scared to give them off to other people. They need to be making the best use of their time. So if that's in the field or if that's, you know, in the store or if that's it, behind a computer working with their their spreadsheets and their data or their or with their team wherever it is they have to understand what their strengths are and where to play with those and then be willing and able to outsource the rest and share the rest well you know keeping an eye of course on their own business they they need to have visibility on all of that which is why we're we're very transparent when we when we work with people so it's definitely about having this no one grows alone mindset if, if we, because what happens when we work with people is that 
we become both dependents and caretakers. You know, we depend on our clients' success in order for them to continue to work with us. So that means that we become the caretakers of our clients and their success and their goals. And the clients are dependent on us to give them the quality lead so that they can succeed. And then their job is to caretake for those cli- those potential prospects or those prospects and potential clients for them and make sure that their needs are fulfilled. And then the dispensaries have the same relationship. They depend on these suppliers reliably getting them the product they need when they need it. And then they have to take care to make sure that they advertise that, let their patients know are targeting the right markets, have an ideal customer. So it's the people that have a much more um, wide lens when they look at their business. And then the, that's the first and, and probably most important quality in an ideal client. And I would say right underneath of that, right after that is just a capabilities uh, aspect of it. It's can you deliver? Can you physically, because we've had, we've worked with people, we'll give them a bunch of leads, we'll get them going and they drop the ball because they really couldn't get to that store because they had a crisis come up and they didn't have designated transporters or they didn't make the time for it or they forgot or whatever it was. So making sure that they have the capabilities, making sure they're running a compliant legal business, obviously, um, and making sure that they have a vision for what they want to be, that where they are now is not where they want to be in a year, two years, five years from now, that they are thinking bigger than where they are so that they can grow into something. Because that's that's what gets us all excited. It's like, this is where you are now. Now let's track growth and let's make sure that we're going in the right direction by doing the right things. So it's it's a hybrid of the tactical and the mindset. If you don't, if you have one and not the other, it ends up hitting a ceiling pretty fast because you either can't get to those opportunities or you are not opportunity minded and you end up kind of sinking your own battleship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what do you think has allowed you to be so su- successful, you know, as, in developing all this is, you know, what, what knowledge have you gained? What perspective, what insight, like what, what has contributed to your success in the industry? I would say every single client that we've worked with for better or for worse has absolutely given us something to, to take with us and learn from along the way. I mentioned before, like we started, we, we were not scared to work on commission. We were fine with that. But then under the commission model, we learned where there were blind spots, um, where there were gaps and where there were times when we couldn't actually operate that way because we would work for three weeks and have all the opportunities and then nothing would come of it. And it was, that's just not how business works. Um, so it, taking that or taking something that's like, wow, this was an excellent piece of marketing. We now know how to talk to people in this field or in this job title or with this need. So now we can use that and communicate more effectively. It's really about using everything we've learned, but the most, the best learning tools are the failures. I, they, yeah. they always are because they teach you where not to step again. And by default, what you're going to do, the next step you'll take is the right step because it, you know what the wrong step is. So it's a painful, long process to be in cannabis and learn that hard way. But there is no better way because it's it's just so you you end up living it and feeling it in your bones and you know exactly when somebody is big timing you or when somebody is playing a little too small, when somebody is not exactly the right fit, 
you've learned because you've worked with so many people and you know yeah. which ones have worked and which ones haven't. So it's, it's really as much as we love the success, it's, it's about the failures, but it's also our, our foundation. You know what, like I said, Mike had started a company and very successfully that worked with inside sales and selling for other people. And it's, it's phenomenally successful. And so with that, we are like, the model has to work. The sales is old. I mean, it is ancient. And the principles of sales don't change even in cannabis. It doesn't have to be corporate. It doesn't have to be stuffy. It doesn't have to be for the man, but it still does have to be professional. It has to be, we have to have data that we track. We have to have metrics that we measure. We have to make sure that we are plotting growth. And so there are things, we have follow-ups, we have scripts, we have emails, we have things in place that we know are just the tools that are in the chest so that we already have those well-oiled and ready to use when we need them. So it's a combination of doing what we're already good at, learning from what we don't, and then putting those two things together. Yeah. And, and how is the company sort of set up at this point? It just kind of walk us through kind of the the team that you have and what do they do to make this whole operation work? Yeah. So it's me and my partner, Mike, as I mentioned before. And mm-hmm. then besides us, we have a VP of sales, Frank, who is absolutely incredible. Um, he's, he's young, he's hungry, and he is kind and generous and smart too. So he is fantastically talented with sales. He really does want to help people. And he's on the phones constantly. He is following up on all of our leads and talking to people to see if they're a good fit and to see what we could do with them. We have Ashley, who is our VP of marketing, and she's just fantastic, creative, graphics, social, any kind of collateral that we put out. She tightens up our messaging. She makes sure that our emails are spot on, that our content is clear, that it's effective. And then we have Nick, who's actually my husband, and he is our business development guy. And so he's looking at new markets and where we should be at, what's next and the future of it. And in existing markets, is there more that we could do? How do we adjust our offering to make sure it fits? And he's he is just a master researcher. He keeps us all abreast of what's going on currently in both the markets we're in locally and then nationally, of course, with any kind of news that comes up. He said, this is something that we should be paying attention to. Here's a, something that we need to be participating in. Here's how we need to be voicing our our position on something. So he's great. And then we do, and everybody calls. So everybody calls the dispensaries, gets those leads. So everybody's, you know, small teams, many hats. And so everybody's doing yeah. the grunt work and the glory work. And it makes it fun because we're in the trenches together. And we also don't, we don't feel disconnected from that knowledge. You know, we're not talking about something that we're not doing. We're doing and talking about it. And that's that's really what gets us that that authenticity that you can't buy and you can't fake. Um, so so that's the and then Megan is our our admin. And so she is the one making sure that she's tracking everything. She's making sure that, you know, the back end of things technologically, metrically, like is all running well and that we know what's going on. So anything that needs an organizational touch is Megan a hundred percent. So she's not somebody that you'll see on the front lines or that a lot of people will talk to, but she's very much a backbone of our team. And then beyond that, we do hire some part-time people to do some of those dispensary dials and we'll give them, you know, we'll train them. We'll make sure that they're calling into different areas. We'll track their performances. And if they're calling and having bad conversations, not getting what they need out of conversations, we retrain them. And if that doesn't work, then we have to let them go because this is really about building quality relationships. And that starts with quality yeah. conversations. 
Well, I'm curious, what are those conversations like these days? Like, what are the issues that dispensaries are facing? How, like, how do you frame this? How do you connect with them? Give us some insights of what you've learned. It takes a lot sometimes um, <laughs> because <laughs> everybody's busy, you know, and yeah. and we're not calling with a specific product saying, hey, do you need these moon rocks? We're calling and saying, hey, we've got 30 people that could provide you with anything you need. Tell us what you need, um, yeah. which is a harder call to explain because it's such a new model. So it's usually a couple of touches. We will talk to bud tenders always because they're, they're invaluable, but at the same time, we're looking to get the answers from the purchasing managers and the decision makers, because that's what serves our subscribers the the most. And so information that makes it to the hot sheet is from those people, the purchasing managers and decision makers. And those conversations are great. It's a lot of basically like how's business? What's been going on? Are you guys slow? Tax season's coming up. Do you have any issues? Is there anything, you know, along with the like, so what's selling well for you? What, you know, what's your typical client like? Because all of that information is going to inform our subscribers about whether or not that's a good match for their brand and their products in those stores. And so, you know, Ashley, Ashley is just a fantastic dialer. She's, she's such a pleasure to talk to on the phone. And so Mm -hmm. she ends up building rapport with these dispensaries. And there are ones that we've talked to multiple times that make it to the hot sheet over and over again. And a lot of people are just struggling in, I can say in Oklahoma, it's, it's interesting. Some people are doing great and a lot of places are closing. Some should Mm -hmm. close because they weren't really ready. They, they thought they could just throw it at the wall and and make it stick. And, And that's not that's not how it works. And others are just struggling because there's a lot of competition and, you know, in an area that could be far away to drive to or, you know, not very well populated. And others are doing great because they've dialed it in. They're saying, I've got these vendors that I use on rotation for 80% of my store and 20% of my store is, is reserved for new vendors. And I take appointments Tuesdays and Thursdays from one to three for new vendors, appointments only. And that's the way we like it. And when you show up, make sure you have your menu testing and sample and bring a pound because I'll buy from you if I like it at that moment. So whereas, you know, Washington state, it's like you can mail samples. It's a totally different model. So you don't have to drive three hours with a quarter pound to see if they like something or not. And if you'll make 250 bucks or whatever it is. So it's, everybody's different. And Oklahoma being a strictly medical market, but operating very recreationally almost Uh is so interesting because some of the chatter we hear from dispensaries or even the patients sometimes just, you know, being on Facebook groups and different associations, they're saying, I want something reliable and repeatable. And dispensaries are trying to compete by bringing in new stuff and making sure they're always attracting the same clients with something new and flashy. And so there's, there's definitely a disconnect still on the supply chain. And that's what we want to get tight is like, we are talking about ultimately a commodity and to some degree that cannabis is. And so that means supply chain has to be tight and standardized and repeatable. That's how you get really sustainable growth. So on the dispensary end, on the growers end, there's still a lot to learn and a lot to adjust as each market changes and evolves. Now, anything out there in terms of regulatory issues, legal issues that either are particular, particularly exciting for you or particular scary in terms of how it might change your business or the, the dynamics of the industry? Yeah, I think we're all keeping an eye on federal legalization whenever that happens, because that would certainly be a major change. And what does that look like for, you know, how each individual state is operating? We're always looking at how distribution is done and how people are going to be 
able to transport product. And if there's if there's issues there geographically, we need to be aware of that because that very much affects who would subscribe and where we're calling. I would say not to, not to beat Oklahoma to death, but it is such a, a crazy market that there's mm-hmm. changes all the time. And so I know that the governor spoke yesterday, I believe, and was talking about making licensing a higher price, going after illegal grows, um, making sure that the Oklahoma market is for Oklahomans. And that's all good news for us because we don't, we don't want to see mega illegal grows coming in and wiping out legal little guys. That's, that's the nightmare scenario because that, that becomes sales as a patient care issue. We need to make sure that a sales supply chain supports the patient ultimately and that illegal grow model and letting them slide or not having enough regulation or not having enough enforcement is definitely going to be a patient care issue. So we're excited to see more of a crackdown on that. Um, what we're sad to see, of course, is the tax situation in California, which is absolutely abhorrent and um, yeah. and needs to be alleviated for sure. So yeah. every state has its own challenges. You know, we're seeing counties and, and areas in New York and New Jersey saying, well, we're going to ban it from our area, even though the state legalized it, which is normal. I mean, every state has done that. And so mm-hmm. it's a question of how many are going to do that? To what extent does that affect the market? And how does that how does that evolve? What are their chances of lifting that ban in the future, because that obviously creates more opportunity for more small businesses if they do. Yeah. Francesca, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about The Hot Sheet, what's the best way to get that information? Oh, thanks so much, Bruce. This has been fun. The Hot Sheet is, and the sales joint, the best way to reach us is to hop onto our website and to learn more about us is um, thesalesjoint.com. And actually following us on Instagram is going to be the best way to stay the most current because that's, we're just all over that. And so you can DM us there. You can ask us questions. You can always reach out to us via email at info at the sales Our Instagram handle is the sales joint. I mean, it's all, it's all pretty obvious. If you, if you search it for the sales <laughs> joint, you're going to find us. And, um, I'm excited to be doing some speaking in the near future at a couple shows in, um, Detroit, in Oklahoma, in New Jersey, um, just a bunch of different places. So anybody that is interested in speaking on cannabis and hearing more about the no one grows alone mindset and the professionalism in sales, you can find more about me on my speaker site, which is francescaspeaks.com. Great. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes here. Francesca, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Bruce. Have a great day. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.